you, 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 you are about to experience Vegas bad boys of podcasting. Fortunately, you are about to hear lots of opinions, but uh, rarely any facts. Impersonations might occur, but uh, good luck trying to figure them out. This program is not intended for kids or the easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. You press play. It's too late to stop. Get ready to podcast. Welcome to another edition of Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. I'm DJ Impact. I got Vegas Bad Boys here with me, Sin City Steve and Matt Michaels. And while everybody is hopping on, we uh, just want to say thanks for hanging out with us. Most importantly, if you're listening to us on Facebook Live, make sure you have that chat open so that you can put in your your comments, questions, concerns, whatever it is. We'll try to get it in as we see fit. And, uh, and yeah, we're going to have a little fun tonight. We got three topics that we just randomly chosen from the internet, and we're going to uh, talk about it. So let's get right into it. Our first count. This is a two-parter here. The first one comes from ringsidenews.com. It's titled, AEW Rampage sees big viewership drop with Black Friday episode. It says that AEW brought their Black Friday episode of Rampage to TNT this week. They had three big matches planned, but it was pre-taped. How did the viewership turn out? According to Andrew Zarian, the November 26th episode of AEW Rampage brought a fast national viewership of 403,000 viewers, and 223,000 of those were in the 28 to 49 demographic. That was quite a drop on both accounts. The November 19th edition of AEW Rampage brought in 556,000 with a point twenty-two in the 18 to 49 demographic. AEW Rampage November 12th episode put a fast national number of 480,000 viewers. That is down 20% from the previous week. And they also scored about 232,000 viewers in the key 18 to 49 demographic, a 21% drop from the previous week. AEW Rampage brought a fast national viewership of 556,000 viewers, while the final number is typically higher than their fast national number that is still quite a drop with the live broadcast. And the October 29th episode of AEW Rampage brought in 623,000 viewers, and they also garnered a .25 in the 18-49 demographic. So AEW Rampage episode on October 22nd, brought in a fast national number of 515,000 viewers and no demographic rating was made available in the fast national number. So that's part one of that. Now, part two, also which comes from Ringside News, is titled that AEW has a new tactic tactic to get fans to watch Rampage. It is said that AEW Dynamite made its debut in October 2019 and since then has worked hard to provide an alternate product to what fans see in WWE. For the most part, they have succeeded, but there's still a lot of room for improvement. And it seems AEW has a new tactic in order to get more fans to watch Rampage. 
With the inception of AEW Rampage earlier this year, the company has more content than ever. Due, due to this, many fans have wondered if AEW will ever get a streaming service. It might become a reality next year as well. Tony Khan previously revealed that he was over the moon after AEW Rampage beat Friday Night SmackDown in head-to-head ratings. Despite this, AEW Rampage has been dwindling ratings over the past few weeks, which has been a cause of concern for many fans. According to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, AEW has employed a new strategy in order to get more fans to tune into Rampage and ultimately sees the show revealing the card for the next week episode of Dynamite, which is The Pool. Quote, the only thing announced for the 12-1 show in Duluth, Georgia is Ruby Soho versus Chris Stantlander in the TBS tournament. They announced that they would announce the show on 1126 Rampage show, and it seems like that the mindset to try and get people to watch Rampage because they reveal the Dynamite card. That's end quote. Despite AEW's Dynamite success, AEW Rampage continues to fall in ratings for the most part, and Tony Khan previously defended the low ratings, but the company must do something to help the show in the long run. We will have to wait and see if AEW's strategy works or not. Matt Michaels... Flat out question. Do you think that this strategy is going to work? Yes or no? Why? Why not? It is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in the history of mankind. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Their answer to slipping ratings is, I got it. We're just going to tell them the match is coming up for Dynamite. Because you better watch it live on Friday night to hear what's going to be on Wednesday's show. (laughs) It's the most ridiculous thing ever. Oh, God, I hope it's true. I really hope that's true. I hope that Tony Khan is like, I'm a genius. We're going to tell people the matches for Dynamite on Friday night. So all tune in to watch them on Wednesday. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, it, yeah. it's funny too because the, the I mean the numbers, the rating numbers and stuff. Um, you know, <clears throat> you can argue the slip slide because I mean, there's you know, um, like this has been the lowest I think since they started, but at the same time, um, all the factors of you know holiday weekend, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, also pretty much just stupid fucking let's let's call it the black friday holiday special (laughs) like that was another like you know um you know i don't know tony khan seems like he's working hands-on on on rampage and letting other people do dynamite (laughs) but um i found it more entertaining um the uh you know, reading some of the comments on this, um, uh, this person called Still Don't Care uh, said, uh, <laughs> laugh out loud, oh my God, that's horrible. Not even NXT is that low in viewership. And then that genius later on in the thread goes on to say, whatever this means, um, my nanny itches maybe having sex with random homeless people yesterday wasn't such a good idea. I'm still filled with jizz. So that's the genius <laughs> reading oh this shit on Ringside News. Oh, boy. Can we just clip that and save that as a drop? Uh, if you like. 
All right. <laughs> oh, you know, um, it's just, it, I mean, it's just unbelievable how, um, you know, some people are actually, you know, um, making valid points. And then, you know, one, one person, once again, Andrew peddling WWE's narrative. Notice how WWE doesn't purchase the Fast Nationals for Dynamite. What? <laughs> Wait. The, the, fast, the fast, you know, numbers are, you know, they don't have to purchase them because, you know, Brian Alvarez is just like fucking tweeting them out right away going, oh, my God, look at how great Dynamite is. So, you know, it's it's free and readily available. Yeah. So, you know, um, uh, but this one, DJ, I think the best is Robert, who said impact is getting close to that. So, oh lord, impact is getting close to the numbers of Rampage. So, and that's a, and that's a network. <laughs> Access is a network that probably seventy five percent of the households don't even get. That's so, true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's saying a lot. Yeah. Um, but just what a what a funny, fun, ridiculous thought of <laughs> a billionaire business genius who you know i'm sure remember when ted turner back in 1997 was like you know what we need to do with thunder we need to give the card for nitro <laughs> get more ratings let me ask you uh, sin city i mean you, you you read this and yeah it just it sounds ridiculous what do you is the solution to what needs to be done is simple or is it very complex? I mean, what, what do you think is needed to get them back to where they were or even get them past? The goal was always to keep to get them at a million and, and to kind of stay there. They hit that plateau and it's been down ever since. I mean, what, what, you, what are you thinking here? So I think that, you know, the, the time slot for Rampage – um, if, if you guys will, you know, think back to when that was first announced, um, there was not a single person on this show that thought that it was a good time slot or a good day right. for that matter for them, for yeah. them to do a show. Um, and you know, I don't want to say that, you know, collectively we know more than, uh, the execs in AEW by any means, but yeah, it, it really doesn't. I don't want to say I told you so, but this thing was doomed from the start. Um, and no matter what they, no matter what the network says, which according to everything, they still view Rampage as being a, a good ratings get for them. So, I mean, for all we know, this is much ado about nothing. But at the end of the day, you know, we see certain particular numbers and we you know we everybody wants to jump to conclusions with anything that's just how it is that's you know everybody wants to fantasy book everybody wants to put their own spin on things everybody wants to get themselves over but the fact of it is this um and i did mention this on wrestling talk until the network makes it known that they have a problem with anything that AEW is doing then AEW is not going to change a single thing about what they're doing because in their view the network 
is completely fine with it. The network is who pays the bills and the network is who cuts those checks, brother. So, yeah, you know, well, and, that's, and that's Steve, what it is. And on top of that, I think that a valid point, too, is the fact that it's, um, you know, you're going to get more advertiser money on those numbers than what you were getting for whatever, you know, shitty rerun they had on on that yeah. time. Um, exactly. Until it starts tanking under those numbers, then then they're set. Um, what's interesting, though, if you think about it, is they kind of fuck themselves by making the first episode the CM Punk debut. And, um, you know, that's uh, they've never recovered from that. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see what happens from there, but I I do hope that Oh, numbers. by the way, next week on Wrestling Talk, we're going to talk about Raw and SmackDown. We're also going to be talking about NXT, Impact, and AEW, both Dynamite and Rampage. So hopefully that just brought us a few more listeners. <laughs> well played. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, then. Let's move over then to our, uh, our second count, which comes from WrestlingNews.co. It's titled, Ric Flair says WWE tried to take away his intellectual property when he was on life support. Nick Khan took him off TV. All right. So here we go. This says, during the Wu Nation Uncensored podcast, Ric Flair elaborated on some recent social media comments about WWE and the trademark for the man. Madden asks, you said on Twitter, and this is the conversation here. Madden says, you said on Twitter that they, WWE, were trying to erase your legacy. Talk about how they were trying to do that and what you are trying to get from them by the by way of, I guess, restitutions is the word. And then Flair says, well, by erasing my legacy, if you take me off the, take me off the opening of the show and take the woo, which I own, thank God, because they will never get it back and replace me with the ultimate warrior, a guy that sued the company, held them up for money. I guess the next thing they're going to do with me is make a DVD having so many people saying how bad I was like the like the warrior. Then they brought him back and put him in the Hall of Fame. That isn't going to work for me. One and done. No worries. But you're not going to bring me back. Not that they want me by any means, but I could couldn't ever work for Nick Khan in my entire life. Vince McMahon, I can work for. But Nick Khan, who was a guy who's orchestrated taking me off the show? I got my facts together. He orchestrated it, taking my woo off, never in a million years. The big difference is Tony Khan respects me. He has, he has as did Vince. And Nick Khan has not. And I've talked to Vince now, and I have no problem with Vince. He just knows I won't come back. And then Flair continued, let me tell you something else that should not shock the world. When I saw that they took me off the opening and all that was for whatever reason, who knows? Some people said to me, Rick, how do you feel about that? I said, well, after they asked me to assign my intellectual property to them while I was on life support, nothing that company does surprises me. And then Madden said, but you don't 
tie that to Vince, which I find curious. And Flair goes, he had nothing to do with it, which he had made very clear to me. <laughs> and then Madden goes, yeah, but Vince is the boss there, right? And then Flair goes, yeah, he's the boss. But WWE is, is not just a wrestling company. They're Disney. They do everything. They make movies. He's got so much to oversee. And because he's so hands-on, yet he still can't totally watch over everything. It's like the trademark with the man trademark. After an excruciating weekend, there was something that was going on with Taylor Swift and the man and all that. I sat down. Some guy from TMZ hit, up, hit me up in L.A. and said, I have no idea how hard I work for that label. And I own that trademark to be the man. They used that trademark to create the man, which has been my label my entire career. I thought it up. It's mine. I own it. I'm one of the few guys that owns their intellectual property. Steve doesn't own Stone Cold, believe it or not. When they get a hold of it, they're going to keep it. They have their reasons, and I'm not the one making those calls, but I own my stuff. And then Flair said, they, WWE, have seven applications to this day as we speak for the trademark, the man, that's how much it was mine. And then Madden finally says, well, why didn't they call her Becky Lynch Stone Cold? Why didn't they call her The Game? And Flair ended by saying, because Hunter told me that Stone Cold was trademarked. I said, why don't you call her The Game? He said, that's trademarked too. I said, so is the man? He said, no, it's not. To be the man, the man are two different things. Let's get the facts straight. They still don't own it. If I get a chance, and I get clear legally, I'm going to go back and get it. All right. This is very interesting here um, <laughs> to hear all this. Um, what is your take on this, uh, Sin City? I find it interesting that uh, a lot of the blame is going over to Nick Khan and, and not Vince. But, uh, you know, maybe uh, I should be seeing things as flair. What's your take? I mean, the thing is, we, we've heard so many conflicting stories about who's really in charge over there, whether it's Nick Khan or whether it's Vince McMahon, obviously for years and years and years, it's been Vince. Um, and ultimately I think that things like this do speak volumes and they speak to the fact that, you know, the company is attempting to get all of their, you know, all of their T's, uh, you know, their T's crossed, their dies, uh, their dots uh, or their eyes dotted. Fuck. I can't even talk. Um, but yeah, I think that they're just trying to get everything in line and get everything set up as, as it needs to be, whether that's for reorganization, whether that's for a sale. Um, I don't think that really too many people know outside of an inner circle, but, um, yeah, I think that it, 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 the opening signature before the show, it, it just, you know, of course you're used to hearing the woo in the very beginning and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I personally, I think that, you know, Ric Flair is uh, he's, he's taken a little bit too much offense with this stuff, but yeah, I, who knows, man, it, yeah. it, this just goes to show that the entire, the entire backstage scene and the, the pecking order, as we know it with WWE is completely in flux right now. You know, Matt, the other day we were talking about Becky Lynch and you were saying how Becky has went through these transition names. And as of right now, you said that she's like big time Bex. But when we watch Raw this Monday, 
All of the man signage came from out of the seats and they were being held. And the announcer said, the man, Becky Lynch. It just seemed like it all kind of just came um, that Monday That because people didn't have those signs. I mean, they had them from EST also, but we hadn't seen the man signs being held for some time. And it was a kind of a big group. I'm just mentioning that. But what is your take, though, when you when you see that he's. You know, what he's saying, what he owns, and what he's seeing, he thinks being taken from him. Well, <laughs> it was Thanksgiving time, and of course, that means families get together. And everyone has that uh, 72-year-old uncle or grandfather <laughs> who sits at the table and uh, says stuff like, well... By erasing my legacy, if you take me off opening of the show and you take the woo, which I own, thank God, because they'll never get it back and replace with the Ultimate Warrior guy who sued the company. They held him up for money. I guess the next thing, they're going to do a DVD against me saying, oh, look at all these people saying I'm bad. <laughs> and then uh, uh, the Hall of Fame and isn't going to work for me. And when I'm done, don't I worry. Know, uncle. Yeah, Uncle. He orchestrated taking my woo off. Mm-hmm. I know he did. My woo. Your woo. He took it off. He orchestrated it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Jesus Christ, this guy's <laughs> lost his fucking mind. Um, if he owns the woo, then what the fuck is the problem if it's on or not on? Because you own it. So if they took it off, then, you know, I, I, this is like some of the craziest ramble that I've ever heard Ric Flair. Okay, so... Now let's let's get to the serious part of this. Okay, let's do it. And that is this. You know, there's a reason that Ric Flair is not in the opening beginning anymore. And it's very simple. Okay, tell me. He disappeared when Dark Side of the Ring aired mm-hmm. the documentary mm-hmm. where he was forcing stewardess to touch his dick. <laughs> And that is when they took him out. Right. So why, Rick, do you feel that they did you wrong? I don't know. Because maybe in this day and age in this society, that when something like that happens, guess what? The company is going, and I'm sure Nick Khan, who you don't want to ever deal with, probably looked at Vince McMahon and said, "Uh, Vince, we got a problem. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know, man. I I mean, do, do Rick, does Rick actually think that he came off good after that thing aired? And that's a whole... Notice, who didn't sign him yet? Even though it was really, 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 uh, you know, looking like, oh, yeah, Tony Khan's going to sign him because he asked for his release, got his release. And then Tony Khan didn't sign him, even though Andrade's there, right. and uh, you know, and his and his daughter's trying to get fired from WWE so she could go there. But Tony didn't sign him, even though Tony respects him more than Nick Khan does. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, this this comes down to one thing, and that is if Ric Flair was in a fucking drunken mess, you know, 
almost 30 years ago uh or 25 years whatever it's been um for fuck's sake then uh you wouldn't be dealing this with this rick but yeah i think it was 20 years ago around the bouts so he would have been like 52 at that time mm-hmm. and uh drunk on a plane uh and uh <laughs> you know comes back to haunt him because back then you weren't being held responsible um also by the way would would it <laughs> would you would you like to see becky come out and go Introducing Stone Cold Becky Lynch. <laughs> like what? I mean, that'd be like <laughs> the Brahma Bull herself, Becky Lynch. <laughs> so I, I don't know, man. Um, and then he's he's complaining about that shit, and then in passing, just kind of is like, you know. Oh, they they took all this off. They took me out of the intro. They took the woo out. Um, you know, they 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 tried to sign away my have me sign away my intellectual property while I was on life support. But they took my woo out, man, and they took me out of the beginning. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. Rick, you're, you're you're focusing us on the wrong thing. Wouldn't it be the fact that you were on life support and they tried to get you to sign something away? <laughs> right. What? So, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Con- Conrad Thompson, I know that he's, you know, technically not your show, but he is your father-in-law. So uh, if you have any clarity on what the hell he was really kind of talking about, let us know, please. Yeah. And you're you're even welcome on the uh, Vegas Bad Boy of Podcasting. I mean, we you know you're welcome here. Say your piece. We give you all the time. We're nice like that. Let's move over to our third count <laughs> from thesportster.com. Why do some wrestling fans hate the Young Bucks? It reads like this: The Young Bucks are one of the most popular tag teams today. Yet some wrestling fans hate them, and here's why. Tag team wrestling has regressed greatly in the past few decades. The state of the once credible division was especially painful during the early 2010s during the reign of John Cena, where everyone was neglected and the tag team division pretty much faded into obscurity. Gone were the days where ENC and the Hardy Boys jumped off the ladders and Dudley Boys putting people through tables. Instead, WWE fans were given the Usos, and the duo was nothing more than John Cena replicas in the tag team division. They were made to sell merchandise and not to entertain and put on a spectacle. But thankfully, in a few years, the effort has been made in order to resurrect the rotting genre with names such as the Street Profits, the Lucha Brothers, and the New Day coming together to raise the bar. The transition of the Usos to a villain stable, the bloodline, signaled a shift in the dynamics of the long stagnant division in WWE. But one of the team that gets the most publicity is the duo of... uh, The duo of brothers, Matt and Nick Jackson, commonly known as the Young Bucks. After all, aside from being a prolific tag team that has made headlines all across the globe, globe, the two brothers were also instrumental in the startup of All Elite Wrestling, and they currently serve as executives in the said corporation. Matt and Nick have truly changed the pro wrestling industry, but despite the bundles, uh, uh, boundless, 
athleticism and charisma, the two brothers are often on the receiving end of disdain of fans and fellow wrestlers alike. And as a starting point, whenever the label of great gets thrown around, there will be sizable number of people also labeling supposed greatness as something overrated and a flash in the pan. And a great number of fans have held them as saviors of professional wrestling. But the truth is, they are simply not as some people hype them up to. And rampant adoration does tend to wear on the nerves of those looking on. And the same is true in case of Matt and Nick. Moreover, many people do not appreciate the flavor of wrestling they bring. And they're often called spot monkeys as they incorporate a lot of aerial maneuvers and high flying offense. A lot of fans also do not appreciate the constant flipping and somersaulting and their choice of attire does not help. Moreover, the brothers tend to throw super kicks after super kick after super kick in each and every encounter that leads to a predictable match style. And furthermore, as incredible they are in the athletic department, the two brothers surely need to work on selling offense of their adversaries not selling offense is nothing less than sacrilege in the world of professional wrestling and the duo has stepped over the boundaries boundary numerous times in fact spamming kicks to the jaw and not selling are literally components of their wrestling characters but lastly while wrestling style is subjective and people have have their likes and dislikes the two brothers do themselves no favor by patting themselves on the back for being the saviors of the sport, and they do this constantly. People are still divided on whether this is merely character work or if they actually believe in what they say. But every now and then, the Young Bucks would tweet something controversial, and fans would be reminded that the two are some of the most narcissistic individuals in wrestling, kayfabe or otherwise. Over the years, they have snubbed veterans such as RVD and Booker T and have drawn the ire of several other professional wrestling personalities such as Lance Storm, Jim Cornette, and even megastars such as Randy Orton and Triple H. And the Young Bucks have been able to attain success in spite of the legion of irate fellow wrestlers. But fans and other people in the industry do not appreciate this sort of publicity, especially in regards to veteran wrestlers who have paved the way for Matt and Nick before they enter a professional wrestling ring. And despite all of that, the Young Bucks have done well for themselves. Their gimmicks are a bit ambiguous, but essentially the siblings, the siblings work characters reminiscent of the olden days in wrestling with various ideas taken from stars such as Shawn Michaels and the Dudley Boys and all dialed up to 11 as a means to elicit a strong response from those watching. The constant high spots make sense as they are loud, loud mouths and show offs. And this point is also illustrated by flashy attire and outspoken personalities. And this business controversy creates cash and Nick and Matt have played the wrestling game almost too well. All right, gentlemen, why do some of the wrestling fans hate the Young Bucks is how his title. He went through quite a lot there. I will start with you. Sin City Steve, the Young Bucks, uh, does the guy make some good points here as to why, you know, there are some fans that uh not really fans of him? Yeah, I, I think that they, I, I, the writer of this story, um, you know, they, a lot of times with these type of editorial stories, I know that we rail on them because, you know, it's just them, the whoever the writer is, just vomiting words onto uh, a page mm -hmm. and you know just just looking to make a quick you know penny a word or whatever the hell it is 
But the fact is that um, this this writer, uh, Malik Mahmoud, um, they, you know, they they established that some wrestling fans hate the Young Bucks, and they actually listed legitimate reasons why some people are not a fan of them. Um, if you're going to do a a clickbait headline like this, um, the uh, the the writer didn't say why do why do all wrestling fans hate the young bucks or you know something of that nature um it it yeah it was it was spot on and they made some really good points um because it does show that you know they rejected tradition um a bit by you know snubbing people like booker t and and like rvd uh early on in the careers um and likewise um a staple of tag team wrestling has always been, you know, selling for your opponents and you hit the nail on the head with the reading of this. Um, they, they built that into almost a facet of their character mm -hmm. and um, they, they almost every single match that they do. That's in a high profile slot. They do the, the fighting spirit spot where they just no sell offense of their opponents. So I think that, um, yeah, it's very easy to see why they're hated. Um, but also, I definitely think that uh, they've contributed quite a bit to the business as we know today. All right. Well, Matt Michaels, um, leading off of that, I mean, so the city says they've contributed a lot. And apparently, even reading this, apparently they think of themselves as savior in the in the wrestling business, at least when it comes to tag team. What's your take on this? You uh, you think that the uh, writer hit it right out of the park as to why fans have an issue with the Young Bucks? Well, I think the writer was spot monkey on this. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so what's very interesting about the Young Bucks is, um, DJ, you might being the super impact fan that you are, you might remember the young bucks back in uh, impact wrestling. Do you? I do remember when they were there. I yeah. wasn't watching impact a whole lot back then, but I do remember when they were there <clears throat> and uh, they weren't called the young bucks. Um, they didn't have their real names. Um, and they were about as exciting as uh, the motor city machine guns. Essentially, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so when they got released, um, that's when they kind of reinvented themselves into more of this, um, this, this style that was based in more of the, um, the high, the high filing spots, uh, but essentially more of a strong style with the super kicks. And I, you know, the problem is this to me, a, they've never been, um, when you talk about those teams like edge and Christian or, uh, the Dudleys or, um, even the Hardy boys, those guys are bigger than the, the bucks. The bucks have never been big men. Right. Um, so they were always kind of fighting against that. And they kind of uh, used this different style that was, you know, a kind of a, ja a, Jap a Japanese style 
and a lucha style kind of a hybrid um but they got really popular on the independent scene because they were able to um when they get you know when you get booked on the independent scene at that time you were able to do more things that were um different than what you'd see in the wwe mm-hmm. and um there also was no real competition except for like tna which was they've already you know they they went through that ringer and ring of honor was the um place that w- you could go to and really kind of um establish in that that rabid base of wrestling fans right so they kind of hit on those kind of um those examples of what you could do when you had all those things kind of against you mm-hmm. and then um bullet club happened so you know that is one factor that i think kind of got left out here and if 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 it wasn't for bullet club they would have not gone to that next level. The biggest thing that the Bucks did was get merchandising into Hot Topic. Huge. Because then they became cool for, you know, a a time frame and enough time to, to get the attention of Tony Khan. You know, that's one of the reasons that AEW started is because these guys were, you know, the only people really kind of um, selling merchandise that wasn't mainstream merchant WWE merchandise. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a big, it was a big deal. But yet at the same time, I think if you look at a Bucks match, one of the reasons, you know, it might be that the characters or the egos rub people the wrong way. Um you know that's that's fair game and that's with any of the wrestlers right but i think one of the things that really is is a problem with the young bucks is that a lot of times the formula of their matches are relatively the same right that doesn't mean that they're always the same match but the way they um if they incorporate something new that is a little out of the ordinary or something that really hasn't been seen, that's when you kind of talk a little bit more about them, especially like on a pay-per-view instance. But if you watch you know, a regular AEW match and you take, let's say, four weeks of matches and put them back-to-back, you can see a trend, and it's kind of the same pattern. And one of the biggest things I think they did is with the super kick party thing, it ruined um it ruined the idea of what a super kick was because quite frankly i don't know you know if you guys have been kicked in the head before um but i've been kicked a couple times you know and not in a wrestling ring but in real life um in situations and doing like concert security and stuff like i've been booted to the face man that shit is brutal. And right now, what you see in wrestling now, Adam Cole is fucking horrible at it too. 
um kyle o'reilly does the same thing too and it's not you know it's funny because yeah because it doesn't have the same effect like when we used to watch right. we know Shawn michaels was about to do that kick we know it was about to be game over and we and it was sold that way and the, and the, and that was the finisher for Shawn michaels yeah. and then the other the other guys who were good at it were big men so Kevin Nash, if he put up mm. his boot and you were coming off into the boot, right? I mean, it, it was a devastating. Like you were down, right? And I think that really is one of the reasons that um, you know the Bucks kind of got tedious in terms of it's like how many times are you going to take a super kick and then like you know then kick me, then I kick you, then you kick me, then I kick you. Are neither of you going to actually feel the kick? Because now it becomes a punch. And right. it's like, yeah. you know, a punch you can you can actually, you know, go, okay, you know, I mean, you see a lot of the punches, they're they're more of a forearm kind of hit and stuff. You can justify it as being a little, you know, a possibility of it not knocking you unconscious. But with kicks, it just became something that um, they kind of really ruined the idea of what you can do with a kick. And I think that that in itself just just kind of puts them in a weird circumstance where you get fans to love that um, because it is reminiscent of strong style. But even with strong style, you know, there's a little bit of a sell to it. Um, and, you know, and then you and then you put the spot monkey label on it and that really i think rubs people the wrong way yeah you know sure so uh, it's it's hard man it's hard to say like i think the easiest thing to to say is listen right now if you look at the young bucks and you look at pentagon and phoenix who's better at telling the stories who would you rather see? Who's more exciting? Right. And the answer is those guys don't even speak English. <laughs> True. So, yeah. Good stuff, man. Um. All right. Sin City, did you want to add one more or that's it? I'm going to go ahead and end it up. No. Okay. It, yeah. Okay. Good. No doubt. Hey, thank you so much, everyone, for uh, listening. That is our three count for the show. And, uh, we always appreciate you for uh, for for tuning in. We're gonna give our final thoughts uh, for the week, so we will kick it off with our very own Sin City Steve. What do you want the people out there to know? Well, first off, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing, doing all the fun stuff that you guys do. Um, you know, we do this show for you, so thank you all very much. Um, also, very special shout out to every brave man and woman serving this country on lands both foreign and domestic um and special shout out to our boy the storm and mormon john we love you we'll see you soon and uh last but not least repsports.com r-e-p-p sports.com go there for all of your pre-workout weight loss and general energy needs that's repsports.com use promo code vegas at checkout and save yourself 15 percent. perfect matt michaels uh yeah I, um i think that um I, I really would like to say um, that um, if anyone, if you, uh, if you go and uh, you, uh, you see 
<laughs> and it's not going to come up, of course. But if you see this man wandering around on the street, um, <laughs> please uh, call call Conrad Thompson or call Charlotte or call Andrade. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it's probably are- time for him. Yeah, it's, t- it's probably time for him to take his pills. So <laughs> yeah, and these are pictures we're looking at of Ric Flair. So uh, <laughs> yeah, if you see him, uh, yeah. n- notify someone. All right, that their their uncle, their grandfather is lost. All right, and you found him. All right, with that. Oh, and by the way, DJ. Yeah, is Ric Flair still in our opening? Yes. <laughs> Uh, I think we removed them, but we can re-add them. I mean, it's up to you. What do you think? We might have to, or else he might, uh, you know, get a little uh, cranky. We don't want to be responsible for for t- taking his uh, intellectual property like the Wu, so we got to think about that, you know? Yeah, yeah. You want to stay away from uh, from uh, Ric Flair's crank. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my. All right, y'all. I guess with that, it's time for us to bounce. Thank you for hanging out. We will see you next week. Don't forget the Falco Files every Wednesday. Great show. It's going to be another good one this week, so make sure you tune in and listen, all right? We'll see you next week. Peace. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting.